Welcome to Finding the Line. I am not Ben. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you not? Who I am. Are you not, I am not Osama bin Laden. I am not Wolverine. I mm-hmm. am not. You're not Spider Man either. Don't don't. No, I'm me. not Spider Man. I know. Although I know, you've I never know. seen Spider Man and me in the same room, so go figure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you're not Spider Man. You're not Osama. You're not Wolverine. I am Nathan. Oh, no, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm not, Ben. You're Ben, so that makes me Nathan, That's right. I guess. That's right. That's right. Sometimes the strings cross and I we mean, forget. Who would know? Who would know? What if we find people have very similar voices to us and they just do find the line, like we just give them a script to read? Anyway. Well, here we are. Welcome to this episode. Welcome to this episode. Yes. And, um, yeah, so... We do we just launch straight into it? Yeah, is this what we're doing? Sure, sure. So um, we had this idea. Uh, I would say a while ago, where me and Ben were basically like, "Hey, you know what we should do? <laughs> we should find those inspirational verses that people put on on plaques and on park benches and on, on toilet doors." And we should rip them to shreds. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, no. But we, we should oh, look like, on and see. On toilet doors? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Jeremiah 29.11. It's legit a thing. That is a thing. <laughs> Jeremiah 29.11. I'm pretty sure I've seen that on toilet doors. <laughs> I would like you know, to know what our listeners think would be the most appropriate verses to put on toilet doors. Yeah, I think that would be I, really There would good. have to be. Appropriate verses. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope something. Well, personally, I'm a I'm a big fan of having something from Leviticus out of context. <laughs> maybe, maybe something out of Revelation as well. That's really trippy. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I stand at oh, the door and knock. Door. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh Ben, that was so on point. That's lovely. Uh, but yeah, so me and Ben were pretty yep. much like we were just like, hey, let's um, go through some common verses that are for better or for worse and, and not to throw shade, but for the most no. part, are sometimes taken out of context. That's right. Well, and, we actually did a, hey, we did a web search. understand these verses. And yeah, we did, yeah you go. You yeah. tell us about the web We did, we did a web search for the top five or the top 10 most misquoted verses. So this isn't just mm. us throwing shade. This is like actual websites <laughs> yeah. like churchleaders.com and rethinknow.org and stuff like that. This mm. is what they listed up there. So we just sort of took some mm. of them and we thought, yeah. oh, let's just... Share what we, what we've heard of them and how we've seen them when misused, or how we've misused them ourselves, perhaps, and then mm. how we understand mm. them now, and maybe give people a little bit of education and a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let's move to the verses then. What's our first one, Nathan? Our first verse that we are doing is um, the classic one, Philippians four thirteen. Uh. I can do all things through Him. Who strengthens me or who gives me strength, depending on uh, yep. which version. Oh, I used Did to find it, go... Yeah, this is like one of my favies when I was growing up. Hey, this was like my verse. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, go. Tell, and, tell us tell us about this. Actually, and the other thing, just as a quick note, um, how we're talking about the translation there, I always found it very interesting if you ask um, someone how they quote that verse and you can tell their age group because <laughs> some people will quote the NIV and then other people will quote the um, like the New Living Translation. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine the perhaps our most youngest generation might quote the the passion quote translation. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> sorry, that that's a bit of a dig, but uh, who knows? But yeah, so like I like growing up, I loved this verse because it was basically sort of told me that God was always on my side and I could do anything. 
um, <laughs> which worked really well for me and my generation because the message we were given there, if we anything we wanted to do and Jesus was on your side, go out and do it. You can be anything you want to be. Um, woo! And yeah, so that's... And I've used heard it used a lot in that sense. Like and that would be the most common misuses. Like uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or whatever it is. And it's like this idea that I'm a Christian and everything will work in my favor. Um, I can do whatever I want. Um, and th- you might get people who are slightly more progressive who kind of go with the idea of, well, as long as it's in Christ's will, then I'll be able to be always be successful, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that's not really always the case. But before we it apart anymore what's your experience with this verse yeah um let me just say from from the outset um my experience with some of these out of context verses i've been quite lucky or blessed whatever word you want to use here um whereas i guess i've had some people around me who have been very biblically literate and so um i i've been mentored by people who have looked at these common Bible verses and instructed me on, on <laughs> how to understand them in context. So I, I'm perhaps more so speaking of the experiences of people I've known, you know, a further context being that I didn't grow up in a Christian household or a churched household. This I came to faith later in my, in my teens, um, very close to 18 actually when I did. Um, and so... That said, I have certainly heard this one, and my experience of, of mostly others have with this verse has that it was kind of like, as you said, it was kind of used as kind of the Christian version of Nike. Yeah, like, for sure. It. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like as you, <laughs> pretty pretty much. It's like it's your Nike. It's your Gatorade. Mm. You know, you you can do this, and maybe to be very pointed and specific to, especially a Pentecostal context. Because you mentioned that there were those in your life who says, yeah, oh, yeah, you can do all things through Christ to give you strength, of course, if it's in God's will. But I've actually have been in those circles where I'm sure if you were to push the, the leaders on their theology, they would probably say the same thing. I, I want to give them credit. Credit's due. But they certainly didn't depict that in their sermons at the mm. youth rallies, yep, the yep. Pentecostal charismatic youth ra- rallies. It really, truly, truly was like, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> just pump up that yeah. faith muscle and you can fly like not literally but maybe and so that's kind of how i heard it mm. heard it said yeah definitely um and i, w- I want to ask the question if unless it's kind of going off topic with with how you've understood the verse but have you seen it be when people have kind of relied on this verse, have you kind of seen it fall flat on their face with that understanding? Or like, have you seen people kind of fall and be like, ah, oh, things didn't work out? Like, I don't know. What's been your well, I think it's, uh, and I reactions? think we'll find this as a common theme with most of these as well, that these are all things that have become almost like cultural mantras um, in a lot of ways mm. as well for Christian faith. So they almost, they almost have like a little sing-song track in the back of them. Um, and mm-hmm. if you sing them or say them enough, then regardless of whatever your situation is, um, this will prove mm-hmm. to be true. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could, you know, totally like all the people who have ever heard say this sort of thing would definitely be people who've lived life and ha- haven't been able to do everything. Or ha- things haven't always gone their way. But there are also a lot of people in those situations that would have still really relied on this verse as a sense of um, hope and strength, as it were, for them to get through it. Like, mm. oh, if I just mm. hold on to this idea, if I just believe 
enough in it sort of thing that things will be okay. Um, yeah. So and you know and, yeah. the, and there is something healthy about that in a sense that oh oh a- a- absolutely having mantras um, with strength but and that's all good a- a- absolutely and I, I want to say the same thing just echo that yeah that you know people using a mantra for strength you know as you just rightly point out it doesn't mean that I'm inherently against people using or inspiring themselves mm. um, yeah um, yeah I'm all for people pumping themselves up and for them being their best. But as you and I would probably agree, it just it shouldn't be about. You know, we can't ultimately control any outcome. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. And what would it mean to to use this verse appropriately? That's right, and it's also context. important to remember this verse has a context, and that wasn't it. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> as great as a great little saying as it is, it has been uh, hijacked, as all of these have yes. been. Yes, can I can I just add one other thing as well? I've seen this verse used at, um, and I'm not sure if, if if this is in your context as well, but certainly within the Pentecostal context. Pentecostals, you know, we, we have an emphasis on those psalms of, of praise and joy and jubilation. Um, I'm being very stereotypical here, but we don't typically do sadness well. And so I've also seen this verse not only as a pump-up, but also as a way to kind of suppress um, quote-unquote bad, quote, feelings mm. or emotions. So like if they're going through hard times, rather than feeling the suffering and, and learn from the pain or be in the pain, they would use this verse as a way to kind of like put put um, the verse in their ears and go la 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 la. You know, no, yeah. I don't have any worry. Don't have any fear. I'm not feeling all those things. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I can do all things with Christ. That's it. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I've I've heard it like that as well. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, what I'm basically going to go do as we go through these is mm. I'm going to try and prove <laughs> that just by reading a couple of extra verses around each of these verses. Um, that that should, for the most part, provide you enough context to really rethink about what's going on. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes. So, in this case, um, if you will permit me to read, please do. Uh, the because what we're saying, like the truth is, life doesn't work in the way um, as far as everything always working out in your favor. You aren't the center of the universe, um, and I don't think this was the intent of the author either. So, if we actually mm. read a little bit, just. Just the verse before it actually makes all the difference. <laughs> yes. Uh, Paul writes, I want, sorry, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strengths. And, like, honestly, the more I read Paul, and especially his later works, and, like, you know, fun fact, this is considered to be probably the last letter that Paul ever wrote. Mm. Um, the more I read uh, Paul, the more I think that he was, like, a great contemplative my- mystic. Um, mm. And it's hard to see it when you read, especially some of his earlier stuff, because he can be quite the misogynistic asshole in some ways. But... Well, we got to do a whole episode <laughs> yeah, just on that one statement. We can then. just pull Paul apart. <laughs> but he's, it's actually interesting. Like, and it's, you know, as with any of these things, context and authors and stuff. But, you know, Paul, yeah, Paul's writings are over a long period of time and he grows a lot in that time. So uh, his yeah. later works are very interesting. I, the, the, the reason why I say we got to have a conversation on this is because we probably would disagree. But that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. let's, let's keep on topic. I don't think it, well, I, I, would defer, I, I wouldn't agree with what I said in the sense that I think if you read it surface wise, it comes across that way. But I think when you actually yes. get his heart, yes. Um, yes. I think he's actually always talking to the culture. 
Um, yes. But anyway, I think this is actually a really great example of this sort of situation as well. Um, mm. So, you know, when he's he's writing here that he's learnt the secret of being content in any situation. I mean, like, why isn't that the popular verse of all things? That that seems really no, useful. It's incredible. So It's actually incredible. Um, another part of the passage here, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Um, and the peace of God, with which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts uh, and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Uh, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and God will be at peace and be at peace. Sorry. And the peace of God will be with you. So like this isn't about superpowers or this mm. is about being present in the moment. This is about having yeah. a he- healthy mental practice. This is yep. actually beautiful to listen and to read to. Yeah. All of these things that will are indeed will strengthen you. And all of these things you do will strengthen you. Um, the question that comes from is where does that strength come from for each of us? Mm, mm, that's really good. Do you see anything more you want to say? No, say I want to hear what you have to say, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Paul, I mean, we, we sound very kind of very similar in, in how our take of this verse and context is as well. You know, um, yeah, Paul, Paul wrote this letter whilst he was in prison and you see, see towards the end of the letter, he speaks into the concern of the church that he is writing to, which is in um, Philippi. Philippi, am I saying that right? Um, yeah, anyway. Philippi is correct. That's right. So he's writing to this to this church, and he speaks into the concern that that church has for his imprisonment and them wanting to practically provide for him. He says that they haven't been able to help him or to show their concern, and that if they can't do that, it will be okay. And you can't see that in the verses, can't just prior to the famous verse. But I don't think it's because he pushed away his emotions or reject or would reject practical help, um, such as food. I, I, I certainly think he would be okay with getting food in his situation. Uh, it's similar to what you said, that he had rather learnt that, given the shittiness of his circumstances, which he acknowledges are hard, especially if you read his other, other letters as well, that in that space, even in prison he's learnt the secret to being content in ways that don't water down the shittiness and that's when he says that he can do all things through Christ that gives him strength and I think the thing here is that contentment um, to learn in other words to learn to cultivate the non-anxious presence a non-anxious presence in the midst of suffering not out of control or stoicism but rather comes out of a place of humble trust mm. um you know, especially in my church circles, you know, we often talk about, you know, quote unquote, strong faith. But the way I understand what it means to have strong faith, it's not faith that's like a muscle to be pumped up or an energy drink to drink. But it's rather like a trustful to to lean into and having Christ's strength is the courageous willingness to let go of the things that we can't control. And to fall, as, as I would understand, to fall in the arms of a Jesus who will hold us precisely because we can't muster ourselves up. Mm. It's not like the Nike ad. We can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's neither the frantic just do itism, neither is it stoicism. It's all shall be well and all manner of things all shall be well. And 
as you've rightly says, said, and as I'm saying now, it's, it's more mystical. It's not magical. It's, it's mystical. Yeah. And, you know, you know, even to make this practical, you know, you know when, when I got quarantined you know, in, this, in this bedroom of mine and in this house of mine, um, of course, it's not the exact same context of Paul's imprisonment. I'm not trying to imply that, but certainly I can glean lessons here. And I go, you know what? I can accept the help in my life when I get it. Mm. And yet, I also want to, as Paul says, learn the secret of contentment, which is to become a non-anxious presence despite my lockdown circumstances. That's right. Because I will have a strength that isn't my strength. Completely agree. I mean, from what I've heard of all the people who have, like, you know, all the great mystics and stuff like that, all of them would say that your your situation or your context is almost irrelevant to the idea of being content. Um, mm, yeah, it's yes. something you, like it's something that goes way deeper than that. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Alrighty, Rock next one is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says. Ah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope mm. and a future, Nathan. Amen. <laughs> so, tell me about this Pentecostal one. Tell tongues. me about this one. What do you know of this one, Nathan? <laughs> oh, well, I th- as you said before, I think we're noticing a trend here with these verses. And that is they are often to do with helping ourselves in the midst of of times that are difficult as a mantra, uh, which, as we said, are inherently wrong. And I think in the same way, I've, I've certainly heard this verse like this. Um, I've heard this verse used in, in, in a way to not to lean into the angst of life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, which, as I said, that's a theme of using Bible verses out of context, is that we use... If it's not too bold of me to say, I think sometimes we can use them as a form of denial oh, of pain. Definitely. Because if we believe that we can harness the greatest power in the universe, <laughs> namely God, to do anything, to not feel unsettled, well, let's just do it. Um, and like I said before, the half truth is there is a mystical element to faith that says um, that the unsettling of life doesn't have to overwhelm us in dis- disabilitating ways. But we don't get to that by ignoring our fears or anxieties or spouting these verses in ways that are keen to the unhelpful, quote-unquote, stop worrying, quote, guilt trip that's put on people. Mm, yep. um, rather, you know, that, that common phrase even of do not fear, it's not a way of saying to people stop worrying. Yeah. Um, but it's a way that um, in a non-denial of, of our fears way, it's a way of having the graceful presence of God. And so with that as kind of the context and pretext, um, you know, when I approach this verse, sorry, when I've seen people approach this verse, it is certainly used in that same pump-up energy drink type ways rather than kind of leaning into the, the angst of the situation, which, as we'll get to in a moment, is certainly about the context. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But you go first, Ben. How have you seen this verse? Used? Oh, man. Uh, this one. Yeah, this one actually triggers me, hey? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, like, tell us if you feel Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that. not so much the quoting. It's just like the pervasiveness of this one within the culture. Uh, mm. Like it's so ingrained that it's a script that I would actually propose it's a, it's pretty much a base assumption within the modern Christian script. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just you can walk into any Christian bookstore and this verse is just freaking everywhere. It's on cards, it's on 
bath mats. I don't know, whatever it is, they can print it on. They'll put it on it. Like <laughs> toilet paper. This is, yeah, yeah, I'm sure this paper. is on toilet paper. Yes, wipe your ass in the Lord. That's it. That's it. And you know, and I've had it regularly told to me whenever I was going through rough patches in my life. Um, and I have to say, I've regrettably used it um, to try and comfort people as well. Mm. And the struggle I have with this verse is that, like we say, like it's almost right in what people mean by it. Like at the totally, yeah, at, at the heart when people say God has plans for you, for you to prosper and not, you know, and for hope and for future. The, the heart of what they're saying is like, yeah, everything's gonna be okay, uh, and this phase will pass, and you know, life's gonna be alright. Like you, you will survive. There is there is hope, and which is a really nice sentiment, and there's a really there's a heart behind that which I appreciate. But the problem for me comes is when often when we use it, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's to try and to make, like you were saying, those icky feelings about a situation just kind of go away. Mm. And if you've ever had it said to you um, and you had a sort of weird off icky feeling <laughs> where maybe you <laughs> felt bad or like, because it just sort of, I, I remember it being told to me and I just remember feeling this weird, awkward situation. Like, wow, I'm in this really crappy situation in my life, but... Now I just feel bad for feeling bad about it because maybe if I just mm. had enough faith, then I'd be able to smile and, you know, just like be happy because yeah. that's what we should just be. It's just be happy. <laughs> and it gives this ideology that God is on the side of good things happening to us. So like God has plans for us to be good. And so if good things are happening for us, then we're in God's plan because that's God's plan. Um, and if bad things are happening to us, then, then that's not of God. And then we're not in God's plan and God and mm -hmm. the whole job of god in that case is to save us from the bad things put us in the good things because good things is god and that's our plan mm. Um, mm. so i think it just i think that the reason it annoys me is that the actual passage in it in its context which we'll talk about in a sec actually does such a good job of being in the dirt with the israelites yes. um and it just moves from being like a simple platitude um to being a saying or a passage about camaraderie and a in a lifetime level of depression and hurt and pain. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that's the key. It's in that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I yeah. think, I think you're on point when you said it was about, it's, there's that acknowledging that, that good half truth of like, of the good intentions behind how this verse is evoked. And yeah. And it goes back to that thing again. It's like, there's something in the intentions there. And yet the, the, key difference that would actually make it in true context is we that this context or this verse i mean not that i think we should have a scripture pill anybody but let's say if someone were to do it the most appropriate way to do it would be after you've wept with them and after you allow the full embodiment of pain and to not brush stroke out the cross and to actually keep that up in the midst of the shittiness would be yeah to have a, a deeper strength of like, and yet God will be with us, that there, there, there can be something of the, the mire and the dirt and the crap. Yeah, well, that's that, right. I mean, basically, happening. you know, be Jeremiah. <laughs> exactly. What, what can yeah. you tell us about Jeremiah? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he, he, was, he was that prophet who was like the weeping yeah. prophet, essentially. You know, though? And I think that's the thing about the context of the verse. You know, the ancient Israelites... You know, they were dispossessed of their land by a colonizing force known as Babylon. And then they were forced to live in that place. Mm. But then God said that as they live in a foreign land, and I should say to the rest of that chapter as well about what it also means to live in that land, which is a, a wonderful, 
message in of itself. Um, but that's probably a bit beyond the scope of um, of this. Um, but yeah, they were to seek to love of their neighbours there, to seek for flourishment of the city, and as you see in Jeremiah 29, to build it up. And that one day, God will take them back to that land. And then it's in that context that um, the, Jer- the prophet Jeremiah um, invoking what he believes to be the words of God, which, which is, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. But the context for future hope for the whole community, which I think is also important, it's a very communal verse, uh, it's in the midst of their suffering as a people group. Yeah. And it's not the denial of pain or the denial of hardship, but rather that in their pain there is a hope. Yeah. Uh, not a hope that everything will work out according to our plans, <laughs> and I think that's important as mm. well. Um, but that once again, as I said before, you know, all shall be well in all manner of things. All shall be well. It's not, as I said again, it's not magical. We get what we want, mm. and nothing's going to be bad. But rather, it's that mystical trust that even in the dirt and the pain, um, fire plans to prosper. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, for me, it's important. Like, so I, Jeremiah is amazing. And I really resonated with Jeremiah when I was uh, a young adult reading through these books. Mm. I'm like, oh, wow, I get this guy. Uh, mm. <laughs> and, you know, and Jeremiah is just that, that prophet who just gave wave after wave after wave of just bad news <laughs> to these people. Yeah, hey. And... You know, he was like, you know, the Babylonians are coming. I mean, like, you know, the, the book sort of leads into the time of the Babylonian exile, but largely it's sort of like preceding or like while it's just beginning to happen. Mm. And so, like, you know, even just to take the verse prior to this one, yet again, um, he goes, For the thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill my promises of bringing you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, for to give you hope in the future. Um, mm. But, you know, you don't see that on a Hallmark card. In 70 years, things will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's it's not like a small little fixer no. up. And that's why it's communal as yeah, well, because exactly. some of those people will be dead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like people aren't seeing the end of this. And I think that's a big thing about it. But, you know, but that's yeah. life. That's, that's what I mean when we say that this passage is like in the dirt. That's what Jeremiah someone who is mm. about to lose his home too. He's there. He's in it. Mm. And he's very mm. well aware that it's going to be a very long time. Like this isn't actually 70 years. 70 years is referring to a long time um, before mm. things are even going to start to look okay. Mm. But mm. it's right that this verse gives us hope. Like we were saying, it's right for it to give us hopes in rough times, but it should never be used to comfort us in ways that it will all just be over soon and we should get over it and be happy. Or that, yes, to, that yes. if we just believe in God enough, that that will make it okay. It's a recognition mm, that mm. God actually, in some ways, brings death as well as life into our lives. Mm. And through both of those that we will prosper, grow would be a better word. And that is true hope. Mm, I love that. Hey, can I tell you one area where I have seen this verse invoked in good mm. ways? Um, I've, I've been at, at, a, at a couple of gatherings of indigenous people and... Like, here's, here's the thing about Indigenous Christians is that they know how to lament and have joy. And I think there's a lot to be learnt there. And I think about this verse quite often in that context because I think one modern, modern application I've heard it seen is that it could be a word of hope to our First Nations people whose very land we have dispossessed. Yeah. And now they have to find a way to live in exile within their own mm. land. 
Um, and I can see that these words of Jeremiah speaking to First Nations people as, as it has, um, that the work of justice will have the final say, or as Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards yeah, justice. Uh, it's not so much a denial of pain, but that there'll be hopes in the midst of dispossession and pain. And also a sobering, sobering note just on this, that we're Babylon in that scenario. Yeah. Um, and it's, yes, we should absolutely. be well aware of that before we start getting on our high horses and start <laughs> throwing out platitudes. <laughs> Ooh, come on now. <laughs> come on now. That's right. We're the Babylonians pulling up this verse. Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's good. All right. We got another one? Bring us to the, bring us to the, the, bring us to the third one. Benjamin. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Matthew 18, Man. 20. Gosh, this one's actually a pet Go, peeve, go, launch, anyway. go, go. <laughs> Look, I've heard this said so often, so often, that you... I've heard it said, like, that you don't need many people to have the presence of God <laughs> present. And it's normally said in, in, in a setting where there was an expectation. I've noticed this in church, in prayer groups. Yep. It's normally said in like, you know, you've done the Facebook event, you put it out there, it said there were 60 people attending, three rock up. And then that one person, you know, someone's disappointed and that one person that says, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> because even if only a handful of us have shown up, <laughs> there's that one, you know, there's that one person who will then go, you know what it says? When two or three are gathered in my name, they all be with It's me. fine that we were rejected so by fine. the 60 others. It's fine. God is here with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of how I've seen it seen it used. Yeah, m- m- so. my experience would be much the same. More on probably the promoting or making sure people come to the prayer groups is where I've seen it used. <laughs> like, make sure we all rock up, people, because as we know, we're two or three are gathered. <laughs> That's where we can maximize they, our ability to influence God. <laughs> they, they should, someone, somebody should, like take that verse and say, "Where twenty or thirty are gathered, in my name. just be like, that's what it says, people. Oh, like, you know, we need thirty in, in people here." In the original here. Greek, what it's actually saying here is uh, that it's a great multitude. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I love that. Oh gosh. <laughs> Oh, okay, but like out. it's it's a weird one because it's like it's really just picking up on the ending of the teaching there, obviously. So I'm just going to read like the the rest of the passage, and it's only a short one. Again, yeah, like only two do. verses prior to it, and it makes a little bit more sense. Truly, I say unto you, dudes, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Again, the sentiment of this is always right, and almost right in some ways. Um, it's just not what it's about. I mean, we've sort of said that we've often heard this said in the regards to praying in groups. And should we pray in groups would be a question we could ask. But honestly, the biblical authors have really mixed messages on this. And Jesus tends to lean on silent prayer um, in solitude. Um, I think the only time that he ever we ever like really hear a prayer would be say the Lord's Prayer. But that's a teaching on prayer, not really a prayer in and of itself. This is part of a series um, of teachings and parables, and this is in the book of Matthew. And so if you're ever reading that, just a helpful thing to be aware of is that Matthew, as a Jewish author, likes to do a Jewish thing and groups everything into groups of three. Um, So if you're ever reading it, look around for the surrounding parables and things, and you might get a little bit more understanding. So we were just looking at the end of the verse before, but if you read the whole passage, 
um, creates very different scenarios to what's going on here. So the whole passage is actually, if a brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, which we all love that. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he does not listen to you, take another one or two along with you that every change might be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. Sorry, every charge. If he refuses to listen to them, then go to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you like a Gentile or a tax collector. And then that verse kicks in. Truly I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So for me personally, like I read this and I see this as a comment on group mentality on dealing with people in our lives. Um, so you remember yep. like, this is a time in history where people just like dragged opponents straight to Roman courts for the smallest, dumbest stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. And Jesus... It's actually quite revolutionary oh, yeah. for oh, its it is. time. It's incredible. So Jesus is like, slow down. And let's actually work this out in relationships. So first of all, be direct. Go and talk to the person. If that doesn't work and you Oop. feel like more action needs yeah. to be taken, bring people along. And I think one of the ways I've heard this passage used so wrongly is like bring people along as backup. No, it's not as backup. <laughs> it's as accountability. It's for you, not for them. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I haven't yeah, heard it like, like that. That's really uh, good. They they are more to manage you, um, and uh, so that you don't don't go and do something stupid like beat them up. Um, and if that doesn't work, that's that's really good. I haven't heard it like bring that. Bring in. So if that doesn't work, then bring in the community. Like so, actually, it says Ecclesias here. I actually went and checked this in the Greek because I'm like, okay, this is interesting. What does it use? Um, so yeah, the word is ecclesia, which is really interesting because that is that's, that's obviously a later like, term that was used to refer to that community. So I pro- Jesus probably never would have used the word ecclesia here. Um, this is probably a, a Mathean concept, unless Jesus actually did use the word ecclesia. And then he's talking about the wise people who stand at the city gates. So that could throw a different spin on this whole thing as well. I don't know. Either way, uh, you're seeking support and advice from those around you and how to proceed. Um, ultimately we want to be aware that the people involved that the more people who get involved and I think this is just like really true wise advice that the more people who get involved Mm. the greater the impact is going to be on the group um, and that the group is going to be accountable to the community um, to the image of God they need to be Um, Mm. so I don't know maybe it actually holds more weight if we consider that when two or three are gathered that God is there too because if it's like okay if we're all rocking up to go and deal with this problem we'll deal with this conflict and we're actually mindful of the fact that we're representing god in the way that we act maybe that isn't so much of a power boost for us but more of us a way that we consider our actions a little bit more carefully yeah that's that's great um can i give you some kind of imaginative jump in yeah so i mean i gave you this scenario of like um you know how people have used this verse as like you rock up to a prayer group there's three of you and then one of them goes, well, you know, when two and three are gathered, there I am with them. So imagine that same prayer group now, okay, which I think kind of fits the context a little bit better. So a scenario would be better to match this verse would be that you rock up to this prayer group. And I notice someone in the prayer meeting doing something horrible just before the prayer meeting. Maybe they mock a homeless person before they come inside a meeting or something. And maybe I'll pull them up on it and like, and you know, if they listen and learn, problem settles. If they don't, they have a couple of other safe people there at the meeting to help them see um, 
what they did wasn't so kind. Now, I've seen this done in a manipulative way, so mm. I mean it in its non-manipulative content. And um, so if they still don't listen, then, um, you know, why then the group of accountability? And the way I'm seeing this in my mind that actually honours the context, but not in a way that I've seen people ironically use the verse in context, but then in terrible ways, like <laughs> just terrible church conflict management. The imagery I got of a good conflict management is like that of um, on How I Met Your Mother, where they used to do very gentle, but nonetheless um, honest interventions. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, when I saw those episodes, they didn't come across as kind of harsh or blunt or mean. There was a communal addressing mm, to the situation. Yes. Um, and look, maybe in this verse you could say if they still don't listen, you know, maybe they're cutting themselves off from helpful connections. Yeah. And all you're trying... Uh, um, so you're, all, you're, all you're trying... Sorry. You're also... Everyone's trying to help that person grow through admitting where they were at fault. But since they refuse... Um, since they refuse... Um, perhaps you treat them at the level they want to be treated at and as a person of ignorance. Yeah. Maybe. I yeah, don't know. I would think it's for something so, like that. So then if you go, so if you go, okay, if you wish and you proceed, then you proceed to put healthy relationship boundaries in place upon that yep. person. Um, and as I said, we're assuming none of this is done in an abusive or controlling manner um, where we weaponize these verses even in their proper context. Uh, but rather it's done in a just and tender Jesus way um, that, yeah, I believe that hopefully Jesus would approve of as if you were establishing something that matches the will of the kingdom of mm. heaven <laughs> on earth. Um, and as I said, there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of people who have written on the complexity of conflict management, especially in church communities. Um, it's obviously we should acknowledge the complexity of certain conflict management situations um but nonetheless i i would give this example um give this example i'm saying um as a rather as a way of saying to um see this as about conflict management yep. you know when jesus says for where two and three gather in my name there i am with them it is after he creates an order of addressing wrong doing in communal settings as an ethical practice in God's Jesus-shaped rule on mm. earth. Jesus is basically going, when you go about ethically addressing communal issues, that he is, he's for that. He's with you That's in right. that situation. Yep. He, he approves of it. He's like, okay, this is yeah. good. Yeah, it's nothing to do with God only magically no, rocking yeah, up if it's two and, or three people. in that way, you bring um, his presence which, into which, the situation. Like. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, that's, that's the thing, because the understanding that God only rocks up when there's two or three people like that is like often I've heard that and I'm like are people blind to just how utterly problematic oh, it makes no logical that sense. is like <laughs> as if when I pray God isn't yeah. present or, I need more people here. <laughs> or that God isn't present in creation when there's no humans yeah. there or you know you know wasn't you know, what, what, you know that God's in isolation and that you know yeah that's right I mean and all us. of the Jesus solitude verses just become completely meaningless like <laughs> uh, I, I know and, and this is where I say you know the good news is that God is always with yeah. us and of course I don't mean that in that watered no, no. down moments where things don't always feel where that doesn't always feel true 
um, once again, rather I'm speaking of something a little bit yep. deeper, um, that it's God's love who is ever permeating in all things. Awesome. I love it. It's actually a really great passage. Uh, it's one that, um, yeah, we should learn from more often, I think. Yeah. As is yeah, all these. Agreed. All right. What's our last one? What do you got? So, the classic one. The one that I have not prepared for. This is where our research ran out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. Uh, go. Okay. Go, I feel Ben. Like I've done a lot of ranting. <laughs> Rant away, my friend. Oh, my goodness. That's only because you just you. haven't got Actually, no, God isn't. Sorry. Sorry, God isn't with us. There's only two of us. So. Whoopsie do. And we're not even together. But Does it count if it's over Zoom? Yeah, I don't know. I know. I know. That's, <laughs> just, these are the deep these are questions. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This Sorry, is, So, my experience of this, is that this is a classic rereading to try and get away with judging others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go. Um, please, please. The misquoting in my experience hasn't always been in the in the first quotation, but always in the rebuttal to the quotation. So let me explain. So, yep. in a hypothetical situation where I told some crusty old dude who is throwing racial slurs around <laughs> that <laughs> he should not judge others because I, with very little respect for the um, text, <laughs> will throw this around in a sing-song sort of way, judge not, lest you be judged. And I've legit, and I've legit heard people turn around and explain how that verse is for the unholy. Um, and those who are in God are fine because they will not be judged by God. Um, oh so basically, okay. I've heard people use this to validate that they are allowed to be the almighty God of judgment because they are free from judging themselves as long as they're Christians. Whoo, damn. Um, Even if people don't word it like that intuitively... And in experience, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, Goodness. it's harsh. So, but again, this is a teaching about heart attitude, not about actual attitude. It's actually a teaching more about us than it is about what we do. So let's read the passage. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For Actually, just a side note, I found this written very interesting as far as going through and reading different translations on it. It was like, it's vastly different. Um, yeah, right. But anyway. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to a brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give... Dogs, what is sacred? Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, obviously, that clears this up entirely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) And that's that's fine to lie. (laughs) No, joking. (laughs) But for me, like, I read this, and this is like my personal reading on it, obviously. But this is about having a healthy and realistic view of yourself. You are not any better or any worse than anyone else. And the primary reason that you will treat people like that by judging them is that because you don't believe that last statement I just said. Judgmental people judge and expect judgment from others and they often judge themselves the hardest. Mm, Um, And I mean, this is the heart of the teaching because that's where it starts. Is this a threat that if you judge others that you will then be under judgment? No, that's not what it is. 
This is to say that this is an outworking of the way that you treat yourself already. This is the mm-hmm. plank that's in your own yeah. eye. Um, so it's it really is a reflective passage in a lot of ways, which I find really interesting. Hmm, fascinating. So I'm kind of I'm kind of spitballing here because I haven't prepped for this particular verse. Um, yeah, I mean, but I really deeply resonate with with your understanding of the verse as well in context. And you're right, I think it has a lot to do with your heart intentions. The great irony, Ben, for, for you and for me, and and is that it actually has a compounding action that boomerangs back to us even as we talk about how this verse has been used out of context. Like if you and I go, Ugh, this verse has been used out of context, which I'm doing mm. right now, I become one of the people who's got to pull the log out of their Definitely. own eye. Yep. For, for judging how others have used That's the right. verse. So it, it has this boomerang effect that even in the very action of me complaining how this verse is used, I then got to go, okay, but how have I used verses or this verse or any other verse out of context? Where do I have to kind of acknowledge my role, my part that I've played in, in mm. all of this first and foremost? So for me, it's kind of like this humility heart check you know, check yourself. Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much what it is for myself. It, it's it's a check on on myself, and I think it's important to say that even in the heart checking, what it's doing, what what this verse is doing, in my my understanding at least, is that it's creating kind of humility on 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 the front of failure, especially like, hey, actually, we all gotta kind of give ourselves grace, give ourselves mercy, and check ourselves first before we then come in all gung-ho um that said i i've also seen people take that a little bit too far as as well and and hear me on this like there are things that people do that should be named and should be shamed so i look at what's happening especially in some administrations around the world (laughs) with how they're handling the virus and just the ridiculousness behind that I, I would hate that this verse to then then be used as like we can never say anything, any form of judgment. I actually do think there is a type of judgment that in scripture that people are called to have. And I would I would make it a distinction between what I call discerning judgment and um judgment that completely dehumanizes the other. Like I do think that there is a place for judgment that actually is willing to name evil. I completely agree and because, to, and, I, and for me, this yeah. would be the difference between someone like, and I, and I think we struggle with the word judgment when we look at the Bible because we have a loaded yep. understanding of that. Uh, so totally, speaking totally. of loaded terms, like this is where I would see the difference between someone who is judgmental and someone who is a prophet. Um, who is prophetic mm-hmm. and f- when I say prophetic I don't mean so- someone who's a soothsayer who somehow sees the future um, for me when I read the understanding of a prophet is someone who critiques the way things are um, in order to give a, yep. a perspective a different perspective ideally from a divine or holy perspective so to speak out against those injustices and to speak in those places that's prophetic um, talk that's not mm. judgmental mm. talk that's a different sort of thing um, yes, in our yes. in our modern day terminology, uh, yeah. we understand judgment as saying here's here's two things in a binary sort of way. This is good, that is bad. But 
prophetic thinking doesn't go down binary. It's a more of a gray understanding, but we talk about um, things from a holy perspective. Mm. I mean, I, I, I get what you mean. I mean, it depends how we use the word binary, though. Like, I, w- I would say the prophets do seem pretty pretty blunt about about the assessment of things. Um, perhaps not binary, but certainly... I wouldn't use the word grey, though. If yeah, I'm maybe, I don't like, know. I, think there's a I complexity. said it and I'm not sure. I think there's a complexity. <laughs> that, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's one of those things that I both agree, and then at the same time, there's the other side to me. It goes, oh, yeah, things are complicated. But some things are just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, just be, and should just be said and be like, no, that's so messed up. And, yeah, like, and it's, it goes back to, as I think you were saying as well, like the difference between being prophetic uh, and, by the way, completely with you in the understanding of prophetic, it's... it's it's as you said. It's about an analyzing the culture, in how it's going against the grain of what is good, mm. and what will happen as a natural consequence if they still continue to That's go right. against the grain yep. of what is good, and a calling the people back to go with the grain of what is God's good purposes, right. and and thus, which is you know to use the loaded term, an often misunderstood term, but to to turn around to repent, um, to go with the grain now, yeah, not to against the your grain, mind. and thus, yeah, exactly. Um, and to turn around, I mean, I mean that's yeah, a whole yeah, other, yeah. probably yeah, a whole yeah. other episode on that word. Um, but yeah, to 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 kind of reimagine a whole new way of doing things. I, I like the understanding in that sense of the word judgment, and like even the whole word judgment is tricky. Tricky in the whole scripture, there's there's a sense of which it can be used very positively and very negatively um, in the same Bible. We should I should add. Um, yet as an overarching paradigm, the prophets. Um, even if it comes across as pretty full on, which a lot of them do, let's just be honest, even Jesus as well, um, on the far side of even what appears to be the extreme harshness of what is said, there appears to be final words of hope uttered. Mm. And I think that tells me that no matter how you read it, the final assessment is that on the big scale end of things, what makes a difference between good judgment and bad judgment is whether it's restorative Or whether it's just going to be judgment for yeah, judgment's right. yeah. sake. Whether you put, whether you use it and as a power play to put people down or just lift people up. Yep. Exactly, and I think I think that's the key. Like, and, and kind of coming back to the verse, then in context, you know, before we even before we even come out as prophetic, have we done the prophetic work in our own hearts first? Have we reinformed our imaginations for a better way of life? Have we done the work that we need to do? Um, not having it all together and perfectly, because I think that's also problematic. It's like you have to be perfect before you can ever say anything. But certainly have an awareness, <laughs> have a have a wokeness, yeah. if you like, to to your being that can then only on the far side of side of that, um, in humility, but nonetheless prophetic boldness, then name the ways that systems and societies are working against the grain of what is what is good. Most definitely. All right. We'll close out with your top three tips for reading the Bible in context. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top three. Um, really look at the historical context of like a letter or a gospel. Um, and I'm going to make two sub points off that oh, one. I just load them in. Go three. on. <laughs> All right. So, so, so these will actually be I my three using later. the two sub points. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is shorter. Trust me, this is going to make it shorter. Um, so my two sub points within the, which will make up my whole three points, would be that in 
seen it in its historical context. Um, see how the words, if, if, you, if it is possible, we can come across good first century or ancient Near Eastern historians. Actually see how the words that are quite loaded in scripture were used during that time. Um, see what the word faith meant in the first century or in the Hebrew mind or the, what the word repentance meant or the word righteousness meant. Like, look at these, these particular words, not just in a linguistic context, because as this is going to sound quite, quite bold of me to say, but like, how, how, why did we turn Strong's Concordance into oh the scripture? Goodness. Anyway, yeah. that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to, to really understand what it is, particular words mean in context. And so finally, a third point would be, um, or third tip would be um, to understand it in context, in historical context, in terms of how or the reason why the author wrote the way they did you know there's a reason why matthew is written for example in comparison mm -hmm. to luke luke's gospel for yep. example that would be my three uh mine would be read it <laughs> seems novel but i wow. think i've tried to prove that throughout this episode let's go and read the book yes. uh yes uh sort of pig on that one, piggybacking a little bit on yours is read it in the vein of how it was meant to be read. If you're reading a letter, sit mm. and read it like a letter. Don't sit and read it in bits. Yep. Um, I mean, you can. Yep. It's fine. But read it like it was. But read it. Uh, second point, mm. uh, read it and try and understand it in at least three different ways. Just in your own mind as a mental exercise. Mm. Like, what else could it mean? What else could it mean? What else could it mean? But just, That's really good. And, you I know. Like that. Come up, come up with three ways that it could be wrong. Just think of something different. Mm. And mm. my third point would be... Yeah, I think I would just echo with author intent. Um, and that's how I, I, was, mm. I was trying to go with ones that people can do without doing any research. But um, I think that one's actually makes a really big or even just be aware of author intent like that this is a book that someone yeah. wrote for a purpose and for a reason um totally so, yeah. totally and and yeah I, and i i i hear your i hear the angst in what you're saying as well because i've had people say to me when i would give something similar to these tips that they'll be go what are you saying that i have to be a scholar now to understand the bible and i go oh i don't want to be come across as that person but as i've said in as i've said in previous episodes like if you have fallen in love with somebody, I think I said this in the Bible series episodes, if you've fallen in love with somebody, the most loving thing, this is an act of love, not an act of academia. The most loving thing you can do is, is understand the person who's before you. Um, that isn't, an, that isn't a, an exercise of the intellect. That's an exercise of love. Like you, you want to love Paul, you want to love Matthew, you want to love Jeremiah, then learn Agreed. about them. You don't have to be an historian. You just have to find ones who are good historians. And there are better and worse ones out there. Um, and read wide. And, um, you know, love isn't having it all figured out. Love is yeah. pursuing. And you're never going to perfectly understand the context, but you, you can give it a good hard crack and faithfulness. Yeah, like I do agree with that. Like in the sense that if this is something you care about, then, you know, make some effort. <laughs> Like I would do yeah, that with exactly. anything, um, and you would do that with anything. Like if it's something you care about, you would yes. you would read, you or you'd yeah. watch a video on YouTube. You know, I I play Xbox games, and then I watch people 
talk about lore and Xbox games. Like, and then maybe that's just me. I don't know. There's mm. thousands of people who do it as well. So, but like, pro yeah. tip. Yeah. You don't have to be a literary uh, biblical expert. All you have to do is just go into Google and go context for book of James. Context for book of yep. Leviticus. Mm. First three things come up. Click on one of those. Have a skim. You're good. <laughs> You'll have more information in five <laughs> minutes than you had beforehand. Yeah, Hallelujah. No excuses. And remember, do it in small groups because when two or three... There, together, there, there, there Nathan and I will be... <laughs> There, there we will be telling you the actual context of that verse. But look, we won't judge too harshly because, you know, lest, lest we judge. Go and keep going. Um, you <laughs> but, you know, but look, it's, it's I'm trying to remember what Ah, you had such a good roll. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I know, what are you talking about? I'm still on an awesome roll because um, I can do all things through God who gives me Why, strength. Thank you very you much. You can do so those I, things. I am indeed. Because God has plans I, I can for you do to prosper things. and not harm you, man. Yes, he does. <laughs> Hallelujah. Plans to prosper me and to not harm me, to give me a future and a hope for your future Bible study, which you're going to have with two or three people. And now we've there come we full well circle. Done. Well done. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise you, Jesus Christ. There was a line in there somewhere. I'll go back and find it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's great. Cool. I love that. This well, has been fun, and this has been. I don't fun. think there's any housekeeping to do. So, no, I don't think there's housekeeping. housekeeping. No, yahoo! Big <laughs> out. I don't think there is. Um, but be looking on Facebook, on Instagram, on yep. Twitter, and um, please share far and wide. Did you say sh- um, interact? Share with us. fart and wide. <laughs> I mean, are those like Imagine three different that. activities they should be doing <laughs> <laughs> yes share fart do and do it widely <laughs> good night everybody <laughs> good night see you all next time <laughs>